The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. Let's start with the economic picture in South Africa because it does look like interest rates are going to be hiked. A 25 basis point hike is due next week. It looks like that's what the MPC is going to do because we did see the US overnight uh, hiking by the same margin. The IMF has also said that it expects GDP growth in South Africa to decelerate sharply to 0.1% uh, this year. And then also we had uh, we had the numbers out this week uh, around inflation um, really telling us that things are so much more expensive. Uh, we saw that increase uh, in inflation edging towards 7%. Kanti Pai is a senior economist at PwC Strategy, joining us now to speak about this. Kanti, it really doesn't look good for South Africans at this point, does it? It doesn't really look good at all, um, Andy. Good afternoon. And I think, you know, uh, one does not want to be a bear of bad news, you know, hoping for good news to finally come out. But really not at all. I think uh, just this morning, we also saw some of these numbers from the, uh, on consumer confidence, from that BR, um, SNB consumer confidence. And it tells us that, you know, the confidence where it was, uh, in the second and the third quarter of 2020, that's when we were deep into that lockdown. So consumers are really, really strong, and you can see that um, from the data that has come. We've seen it in retail sales that were released last week also, showing that, you know, um, you know retail sales have collapsed. So things are looking really rather gloomy. We do always follow what the U.S. does. We do, um, as some reports suggest today, tend to walk in lockstep with them. And the U.S. Central Bank hiked its interest rates by 25 basis points. A lot of that has to do with the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, um, what's been happening in the U.S. Uh, how insulated are we from all of that? Or does it uh, very much uh, have a causal effect on us? I mean, I mean, I think that it is uh, an important indicator because I think, you know, of course, our inflation um, is different from that of the U.S. The U.S. actually has spent a lot of time. They've really gone as far as possible during COVID-19, almost printing money, giving people uh, dollars into their hands. And that has actually become um, quite problematic. But of course, there are other factors to inflation, energy issues that, that we all have, food prices we all have. So, Certainly, while they are, uh, as they've promised that they will actually hike interest rates, we've also is something that we've watched very, very closely because it does have an effect on us. Remember, one of the things is that we're always worried that, you know, because uh, the U.S., you know, is much more trusted as an economy, people might look to move their money to the U.S. to take advantage of the experience. So it's something that worries us, especially because it can have such an effect on the exchange rate. So, I suspect that the Reserve Bank is very, very well. We suspect that the Reserve Bank would be worried about something like that. But certainly it is something that we, are, we, we, we should look into because we thought it was still coming, but it is here uh, just not a week away from uh, we, when South Africa has to make a similar decision. Kanti Pai, thank you very much. Senior economist at PwC Strategy speaking to us about the economic picture here. We saw those inflation numbers coming out this week. We know that a lot of that is driven by the high food prices, and that's always a, a problem. And we know the Reserve Bank likes to keep that inflation between that band of three to six percent. Uh, and this is what they this is the device they use. So this is what's in their toolbox is hiking interest rates. But that means that if we're paying off cars, if we're paying off houses, it just makes makes everything more expensive.
The Midday Report. In mid-February, we heard about the fact that the Competition Commission of South Africa had launched this fresh produce produce market inquiry. The Government Gazette published uh, what the terms of reference were for this inquiry, and that's due to begin today. Uh, so there was a press conference today by the Competition Commission. Veronica Mahwadi, EWN reporter, was following that one for us. Veronica, good afternoon to you. Thanks for your time. What has the Competition Commission been saying about this fresh produce inquiry? What they're looking at? Well, thanks very much, Mandy. Of course, as you've mentioned, consumers are really buckling under the pressure in regards to the cost of living that's getting worse. And essentially, the Competition Commission says that they've seen um, over the years, and I think this was mainly triggered, of course, during the COVID-19 pandemic, where we saw certain items in the fresh produce market, including ginger, pineapple, uh, those prices really spiking. And the Competition Commission essentially uh, felt that this uh, you know, was a cause of concern saying why are South African, uh, you know, sort of produce uh, prices uh, so volatile and what is causing this? And essentially, Mandy, what they've come to realize is that there is really little understanding in regards to what happens in regards to the controls and the measures within the fresh produce uh, market. And this is regards to all of the value chain, whether it's farmers coming down, of course, to the major markets that we have and down to retailers and essentially consumers who are, you know, basically bearing the brunt of these really, really high prices. Mandy, essentially what the Competition Commission says, they'll be looking at uh, the main food basket of households, which will be vegetables and fruits, including potatoes, tomatoes, cabbage, uh, carrots, apples, as well as grapes. And essentially what is causing the prices for these um, items to fluctuate as they continuously do in the shops. Veronica, thank you very much. Veronica Mahwadi, EWN reporter, having a look at that Competition Commission press conference today. Long overdue, I think many people would argue, uh, but we are now seeing this fresh produce, produce, why do I struggle with that so much? Fresh produce market inquiry starting today, looking at uh, the cost of fresh produce in this country and that entire network of the value chain. The Midday Report. I told you at the start of the show that the reports that the Free State Premier Nkolisi Dukwana's official residence is ablaze at the moment. We do have his uh, the spokesperson for the Free State Mayor, Selo Ditebe, on the line with us. Selo, good afternoon to you. Uh, can you confirm the report that we're seeing about the uh, Premier's official residence on fire? Uh, good afternoon to you and your listeners. Yes, we can confirm that today, the 23rd of March, uh, 2023, at 9.30 a.m., uh, fire broke out at the official residence of the Premier. The building that caught fire has been severely damaged. The roof has caved in. Nobody has been injured. The Premier was not at home. He was doing work. Um, so um, the municipality responded swiftly and put out the fire. A little while ago, the fire engines drove out, and um, we are satisfied that the fire has successfully been put out. The South African Police Forensics Department are on site to do their work, um, which then leads us to the next question, what the cause of the fire was. Uh, that we leave to the police because we cannot afford to speculate. Um, they will give us an indication as to what the cause of the fire was. Mm. Uh, you have described some of the extent of the damage. Uh, h- how extensive was it in terms of, of the entire building? Well, the uh, top part of the building, um, the roof, as I say, caved in. Um, you know, if you go to the Western Cape, uh, those old Simon van buildings, right? Uh, it's not so, those sort of buildings, they are um, heritage resources. Uh, it is a heritage resource. So not only the building itself, 
uh, but also the valuable possessions like your artwork, paintings, um, you know, antique furniture, etc. So uh, we have yet to quantify what, we, what that means in monetary terms, uh, but indeed uh, very rare um, stuff uh, that was in there because um, of the collection over the years of those valuables. Selo, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate you coming on at short notice. Uh, Selo Ditebe, spokesperson for the Free State Premier. As he says, they are not speculating at this point. The uh, police are currently investigating there after that fire engulfed the Free State Premier, Mkwalisi Dukwana's official residence. The Midday Report. The EFF Commander-in-Chief Julius Malema is midway through a press conference at the moment at the EFF headquarters. He's been speaking about Monday's action, sounding very bullish, uh, saying the deployment of security forces to silence our freedom to protest was a failure, questioning the month-long deployment of soldiers. He says we've got no president, we've got no crime intelligence, and no state security. Let's listen in to what he is saying. The peak hour, they did not tamper with anyone. They just went about mobilizing to, for people to join uh, the legal action on the 20th. So the action that they were mobilizing for was legal. They didn't do anything illegal. And then you arrest them. Uh, why? Because you want to use them to intimidate the whole country and show them that uh, 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 you can actually use force against uh, peaceful protesters. That was supposed to be something that all of South Africa should have condemned. That you cannot use violence. It doesn't matter uh, whether you like what these people are saying or not. As long as they are not uh, burning public property, uh, they are not engaged in any form of disturbance or anything of that sort, why do you beat them up? One of the police officers there, which a judge refused to accept, by the way, in court, that evidence, that there was a police officer who was saying, shoot the window, shoot the window. That, in a way, that place where they were shooting the window, it's a residential area. What if that rubber bullet finds a four-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old in that window that they say they must shoot? Those who are trained to use firearms know that for as long as you don't know what is beyond this point, you can't shoot. But the apartheid, bloody, thirsty policeman, when they say to him, shoot that window, shoot, without knowing what is behind that window, he shoots. We are trained not to shoot if we don't know what goes beyond what our eyes can see. Because you might hit ordinary people. What if you hit a pregnant woman? Because some fool around who's excited by the sounds of uh, firearms says shoot, shoot, shoot. And you take an illegal instruction, you shoot. So it was an act of intimidation against... Uh, was it not on the same day or uh, in line with that court order of the DA? You know, when you deal with illit- illiterates, they, they find it very difficult to follow logic. After the court of DA in Johannesburg... Five o'clock, we're instructed, but court said, by five o'clock, we must issue the statement that says the march is going to be peaceful and that there will not be blockade of roads and that there will not be a destruction of public property. Five o'clock, we issued that statement. So when an illiterate says to you, 
We started talking peace after the guns. And no one challenges him to say, but it's not true. There was a court order that instructed them to issue the statement they did. Before that, Malema spoke in Soweto to EFF uh, branches. He spoke peace. There was no gun. That's the EFF Commander-in-Chief Julius Malema. He is in the midst of a press conference there speaking about the national shutdown on Monday, questioning uh, why the soldiers were deployed for an extended period. They said they'll be questioning that in Parliament and just generally speaking about how they think that there was a success on Monday because of the fact that load shedding was dropped and that showed that so much industry was closed as well. It really hasn't been a great week for the EFF. So we saw the national shutdown, which wasn't really a national shutdown on Monday. Uh, and then yesterday, we saw that motion of no confidence in Nosiviwe, Mapisa and Kakula. Uh, they lost that one. And then the Constitutional Court has also upheld an interdict preventing the EFF and Julius Malema from encouraging citizens to invade unoccupied land. So that is a key loss for the EFF as well. The Midday Report. Now, some residents in the south of Joburg, some other parts of Joburg as well, have been without water for, for a good few weeks now. Uh, some of these uh, residents of southern suburbs uh, were protesting yesterday about the fact that they hadn't had water for, for almost six weeks. A group of Joburg residents picketed. Um, they said that they were paying rates and taxes every month. Uh, 200 megalitres of water were lost after a pump failure at Randwater's Aikenhof purification plant. Well, let's speak to the Sundown Award councillor now, councillor Devon Steenkamp, about what's happening in that particular council. Councillor, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. What has the experience been of your residence? Uh, thank you, Maddie, for inviting me to be on the show. Um, the experience uh, on the ground has been really grueling because a lot of people have babies. It's a lot of complexes um, that are in the ward, and we've got a a big, huge retirement village that, that houses 830-odd people in the complex. So they're all suffering. Where um, they, they, they all say to me they can really accept load shedding and having non-electricity, but when it comes to water, they really struggle to to literally to survive clean and, and to prepare for a working day because um, they, 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 that's more expenses on them when they have to go actually either go buy water um, or to actually um, buy wet wipes and all other types of cleaning material just to to just be feel decent um, um, and look and try and uh, just yeah just to just to get by mm. through the day. And what are, what are you being told officially? We have been trying to get the um, Joburg Water to explain uh, the situation with Aikenhof, with other areas as well. Uh, what is the, the official line here? So I actually think it's a mixture of both. I, I know the, the, the root cause is that we do get ran, uh, from rainwater. That's where the supply comes from. Um, and obviously they, they are having capacity and infrastructure failures. Um, and they say sometimes it's, it's got to do with vandalism. Sometimes it's city power that gives them supply to their various pumps. They fail and it causes, as soon as there's an outage, it causes uh, a, a ripple effect um, uh, on all the reservoirs um, not pumping to a capacity. So my, my, my theory is, is that as the water's going in, the water's going straight out. So normally it's supposed to be kept at quite level. So I think it's really reached its capacity. And, uh, mm. and, and, 
And Devin, what, what is your advice then? We have seen people starting to protest, uh, making a noise that way. Uh, but what is your advice to, to residents? Look, I think residents really are in touch with your work councillors because they are trying to fight and be your voice on the ground. Um, obviously, with protests, you have to go through the legal forms and stuff, but you're not uh, arrested and stuff for an illegal protest. But I do understand the frustrations from the residents, mm. and we all want this communication, and that's what we've been struggling with is that Randall's yeah. and Drabbit Water literally take one day and are oh, very, very vague on their messages. Mm, definitely. Councillor Devin Steenkamp, uh, the City of Joburg Ward Councillor for Sundowner. I know there's many other suburbs that are also affected that have been without water for weeks. The Midday Report. Isn't a paranoia, Malema, because he said that, no, those who are trained knows that you cannot shoot without knowing what is behind. No, but him and his bodyguard did shoot without knowing what was what was behind them. Hmm. Hmm. Paranoia. Thanks, Mandy. David. This is the irony, right? Is that Julius Malema in the press conference is going on and on about how the police were shooting uh, when he himself was on trial for doing the same thing. Uh, Jeffrey McQuarty saying, but the same Julius shot at an EFF rally and he fired a live round. What a hypocrite. Uh, Mrs. Awesome saying, so Julius banging on about firing guns into windows when he was found guilty of firing guns into a crowd. Does he think people are that stupid? And um, this is the irony, right? Is that you really can, can say what you like in a press conference, uh, but we do remember uh, these things. The Midday Report. Two uh, ESCOM load shedding kind of court cases relating to each other we're going to have a look at now. The first one is Machila Koko is appearing in court. And then also the load shedding case brought by the UDM and others uh, where they are asking, well, actually they've changed what they're asking the ca- the, the, the court to actually do here. As Hamotso Medisa told us yesterday, they have asked to change the prayer um, for what they want in court. So let's check in with her exactly what's happening there. Hamotso Modise, EWN reporter. Hamotso, we spoke yesterday about the fact that the UDM and the other applicants here had actually changed what they wanted the court to do. They weren't successful with that that request, right? Good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, so they weren't successful yesterday and uh, the court had said this was because it would cause further delays in the matter. And what they were asking for essentially that in addition to um, their plea for the court to compel government to provide these generators and solar panels, they should make sure that government is compelled to do it within 60 days. But the court then said this would be um, an extension to, uh, to the matter as government's lawyers needed time to respond and prepare to this new um, this new prayer that they were bringing. And so that didn't happen. Today, however, we saw um, the arguments being wrapped up and it was responses from both the UDM's lawyers and Action SA's lawyers. And they were really just responding to what government had argued on. We saw um, Advocate Dyke today speaking about how government's plan has no commitment to an achievable possible outcome, but also it's got no proper measurables, which means that if the court does not grant the UDM the relief that they're seeking, then it means government will just continue with this energy action plan that doesn't really have or doesn't have proper timelines according to the UDM. We also heard how, uh, you know, Dyke called this a humanitarian crisis, saying that, you know, there are, um, uh, 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 this carries with it human costs in that people are dying in hospitals that don't have generators. And so she was saying every day that we leave the situation as it is with the hope that government will, um, you know, effective plan, the human cost increases, more lives are lost. Mm -hmm. And so that matter now has been um, completed and judgment has been reserved.
Okay, so judgment's been reserved there. Um, I did see in some of your reports saying that the former ESCOM uh, acting CEO, Machida Koko, was actually in court um, attending the UDM's case against government and President Cyril Ramaphosa, but he himself is today actually appearing in court as an accused in the Middleburg Magistrate's Court as well. That's right, that's right. So I do believe that he is in court. I have, however, been trying to get a hold of officials um, and uh, just to find out what's happening or what's happened today. We did hear from um, the ID and the NPA that this was going to be postponed. Koko himself also said yesterday that he is expecting a postponement, but he did say that he'd be very angry if that was the case. Um, and basically he's saying that he hasn't been given a docket yet, and so he doesn't really know what the charges that he's facing um, are about. He says he doesn't have the details required in order to build a proper case. We do know that he's facing charges of fraud, corruption, and money laundering alongside his wife and two stepdaughters. But he says the NPA has not served him with, or at least his lawyers, with the documents necessary in order for him to familiarize himself with the cases um, or the charges that he faces. And so today we are expecting a postponement in that matter in the run-up to a trial that we're expecting to see soon. Khamotso, thank you very much. Khamotso Modise, EWN reporter. Two court cases there. Judgment reserved in this uh, case that has been brought by the UDM and other parties as well relating to load shedding. And then the former ESCOM acting CEO, Machila. Coco due in the Middleburg Magistrates Court today. The Midday Report. Hi, Mandy. I would just like to ask uh, a question, especially to Julius Malema's supporters. Is he capable of delivering a speech without insulting someone or a group of people? Uh, just now, he's just you know, insulted uh, our police. He has no regard whatsoever for authority. And I just wonder, is this the kind of person who some consider to be a potential president of this country? God help us all. Thanks, Farai. Hey, Farai, well, let me tell you, Julius Malema has hit his straps. He is in full, full go at the moment. He's been speaking about how Vladimir Putin is welcome here in South Africa. The ICC will not arrest him because we, the EFF, I assume he means, will protect him. So he's been speaking about that, saying Putin is welcome here. Remember, of course, uh, the ICC has issued an arrest warrant for him. Our government can't quite decide what to do about that. Cabinet is meeting to discuss it. Um, but Julius Malema speaking, uh, and, and really, as you say, Farai, criticizing pretty much everybody about how they dealt with the national shutdown. And he's having a full go at the moment in that press conference. The Midday Report. We're going to speak to our two parliamentary reporters now because two things happening. Firstly, uh, the one is the inquiry into the public protector, Busisiwe Mkwebane. That was due to happen today, but she's sick, so it's not sitting. We'll find out about that. And then uh, later today, Paul Mashatile, the deputy president of South Africa, is going to do his first Q&A session in parliament. Let's start with Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN's parliamentary reporter, uh, about the fact that uh, Busisiwe Mkwebane has delivered a sick note today, Lindsay. So no inquiry or what is happening there? Good afternoon, Mandy. No, no inquiry today. You are correct. Busisi Mkwebane has submitted a sick note to the committee. She has been booked off until Monday. And the chairperson of the inquiry, Richard Janchi, has um, indicated that he had asked for that sick note. Uh, but he will not be disclosing, Mandy, uh, the reasons for British Hiram Kobani being booked off and committee members have been quite happy to accept um, that decision that she will not be available to continue with testimony until Tuesday um, coming. Lindsay, does this thing just continue for perpetuity? Like, is it ever going to end? And does her fun- is her funding limitless at, at this point? 
Mandy, you're hitting the nail on the head. That's the biggest concern that has been raised uh, during today's housekeeping meeting, if I can call it that. You will recall that the Public Protector's Office wrote to the committee uh, at the beginning of this month saying that they could only commit funding for Busisi Kobani's legal team until the end of March. Uh, and with Busisi Kobani being uh, OPSIC and uh, further requests for more witnesses, waiting for statements still to come, and the committee having today, having to revise what was supposed to be a roughly three-month inquiry, now becoming an eight-month inquiry and not set to deliver a final report now until the 29th of May, concerns really now whether the committee is going to put the Public Protector's Office in the situation uh, of unlawfully uh, spending money and uh, spending money that they uh, do not have. And they've made it clear repeatedly that there is no more money to fund this inquiry. And Mm. so um, it has been resolved that um, the Public Protector, Butisiu Mkobani, and uh, the Office of the Public Protector, along with the Speaker's Office, uh, try to sort that out as to what the implications uh, will be and the committee saying they didn't think that they right. were in the right position to get involved in that matter but they didn't want to be responsible for irregular mm. expenditure. Lindsay, thank you. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter speaking to us there about how Busisiwe Mkwebane is sick but it really does seem like this thing is carrying on for forever and ever and it is becoming an issue with funding. So that's the one story that's happening in Parliament. The other one is the fact that our Deputy President Paul Paul Mashatile, remember, he is now the Deputy President. He's going to be answering questions in Parliament today. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, looking at that one for us. Uh, Babalo, we do have the list of questions. So what is he going to be asked today? Ah, indeed, Mandy, um, that the Deputy President, Paul Mashatile, will be asked one of the main first questions, really, about ESCOM debt and how much ESCOM is owed by municipalities. But this will obviously be followed by these supplementary questions, four of them, which will also be ESCOM related. And I'm pretty sure that they will also touch on load shedding and the current improvement. And the electricity minister was currently touring these different power stations. Uh, we know that his predecessor, David Mabuza, was closely involved in the energy crisis. He was the leader of the political task team on ESCOM, you know, on top of being leader of government business. Um, he will also be asked about, you know, his role, his role as leader of government business as far as ensuring that cabinet ministers attend to their parliamentary duties. And this follows the speaker's reprimand of, you know, a number of ministers who, you know, worst performing ministers like Tandi Modise who's leading the pack as far as responding to, you know, these parliamentary questions. And the one issue that, you know, it seems to never want to go away, Mandy Palapala, always an issue, you know, and it will be for the foreseeable future with a question there from the EFF on whether the president's unanswered questions around this breaking at Palapala, as well as the source findings that the money stolen at the farm was not really declared, as well as recommendations of the Section 89 panel are not confirmation that Ramaphosa is undermining the government's efforts to combat mm. crime and corruption, Mandy. Babalo, thank you. Babalo and Denze, EWN's parliamentary reporter, having a look at what we can expect later today. Paul Mashatile facing his first questions as Deputy President in Parliament. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.